and we're live. What's going on, everybody? How are you all doing this afternoon? It is Tuesday, and uh, I've been doing these live streams for a little bit on Tuesday afternoons, uh, just hanging out with you all. I actually go and read the comments, or I try to read as many of them as I can anyway, um, over the last week. Uh, why is my computer talking to me back? Talk. Don't talk back to me. Hmm, where is that coming from? Oh, here we go. Fixed. Anyway, I had a window open with my live stream, so it was like this weird time-space continuum thing. Anyway, so, yeah, so, pretty cool. We are uh, doing this thing. I actually go and read some of those comments. Well, I read as many of them as I can. I pick out some of them that we can chat about. I skip the the dumb ones where everybody's, you know, super mean on purpose and all that stuff. We don't have time for that. So, yeah, super cool. Um, hey, everybody that's hanging out with us here too. Rob, Doc, Brian, if you jump into uh, the comments and you want to... Uh, ask a question you can use a super chat you can jump in there i'll try to catch you obviously leslie's not here to do this in such an amazing efficient way like normally on thursdays so there you go rob says it looks like gibson finally released the rick beato signature les paul today as far as i can tell it's already sold out everywhere i'd be really bummed if i had had the 2k to spend on it um, I think that guitar is really cool. He says it's as thin as an SG, but it's uh, Les Paul Jr., which is really cool. I, I think that's awesome. Um, I would rather have a yellow one, but I think it's really cool. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so um, Matthew says that he doesn't see, because he got a guitar for $1,000, he doesn't see the value add. So here, let's talk about that really quick. Um, I think it's totally two grand. Let's let, I think 1999 is 100% fair for that guitar. Uh, let's see. I've got a, whatever side it's on back here. I've got a Gibson SG junior back there, bought it brand new at Gibson for 1400 bucks. It has one P90 in it. Um, so a Les Paul special, if they had one in consumer grade, regular Gibson would probably be 1500 bucks or 1599. Probably with the two pickups, with the extra knobs, that sort of stuff. I can see a Les Paul special double cut being a probably $15.99. That makes sense to me in this where we are right now, given that the SG Junior is $13.99. Two extra hundred dollars. Makes total sense, right? So then you have a, a signature guitar that takes usually a three to four hundred dollar premium on top of that. Because signature model, um, those, those musicians get a cut of that guitar. And depending on the size of the audience, and believe it or not, Rick Beato has a huge audience, even in comparison to somebody like Kingfish. Um, he's got a pretty big audience. So I can see him getting $400 a guitar, $300 a guitar. I can see him getting that much. So then that puts that into 1999 territory. It makes a lot of sense. And they are tooling that guitar specially. They are not making it. It is not just a stock program um, that they're just, you know, that they're, you know, just putting, like, for example, um, there, there are some signature guitars that are basically just a different color they can run all the same programs that they normally run run the same line that they normally run well with this um, the material sciences have to be changed so the size of the body the thickness of the body all that stuff changes probably the lumber that they use it changes how they run the whole line so I can 100% see this guitar being 1999 and makes total sense uh, to me um, I would imagine that it's only in one color dock because it's the color that he wanted. Um, when, uh, if it was TV yellow, I would already have one on order. Um, if, well, I wouldn't though. There's something I don't like about that guitar. Um, and we'll get into that. Well, I'll tell you. 
I don't like the fact that the neck pickup is the 1960 version and later special. I want a 1959 special version with the pickup close to the neck. That's the guitar that I would want. So, um, Gibson is donating the sales proceeds to charity. So, I am curious about this. I would like to have Rick Beato speak on this more. I think Rick Beato is actually giving his part to charity. I don't think Gibson is. I think Rick Beato is probably giving his part to charity. Knowing how he does with his YouTube channel, um, I would venture a guess that that's what it is. Do not quote me on that because I'm totally guessing. I would be interested to see if he speaks more on that in the future. I think that is very, very cool. Um, that may justify the cost, but the question is about value to the consumer. It's fundamentally a less aggressively styled SG. Here's the thing, Matthew. You said it. I didn't. Value to the consumer. You, and this is what we're going to talk about today with the thumbnail. If you don't want this guitar, you are not the consumer. That doesn't make it bad. That doesn't make it not worth it. If you don't want this guitar, you are not the consumer of that guitar. I want this guitar. I am the consumer of this guitar, and it is worth it to me. Therefore, it doesn't matter if it's not worth it to you, because you are not a, the consumer of that guitar. That's basically it. If you are not the person who's going to buy that guitar, then nobody care. You see what I'm saying? No, they don't care what you think if you're not the consumer of that guitar. You get it? Like, um, I'm not an AC30 person. So I don't care how much an AC30 costs. They don't care that I don't care how much an AC30 costs. If I say an AC30 is too expensive, they don't care what I think because I'm not buying one anyways. See what I mean? Um, Bugatti doesn't care how much what I think. Bugatti doesn't care how much I think a Veyron should cost because I'm not going to buy one. I'm not the audience for it. So it doesn't matter. So this is kind of kind of what we're going to talk about here in a couple of minutes because I, I think you, you hit the nail on the head with this guitar. Um and a 1958 DC Junior is going for over 3000 Dude, they're going for about eight because I've been shopping. Well, actually, a Double Cut Junior, 58 or 59 for a good one is in the 12 area. 12 to 15 for a good one. So, yeah. Um, let's see. I like it when people say... Chadwick, I'm going to just call you out on this. I love it when people say they're catering to their market. No, they're not. What they're doing, and I think people need to understand how, <laughs> how signature models work. Rick Beato touches a lot of people. He can reach a lot of people. Uh, he has a lot of subscribers. And beyond his subscribers, if you factor in that 60% of his views probably, that's about what the average is for YouTube, come from people that are not subscribers, there's millions and millions and millions of people watching his content. That is a massive reach on a daily basis. So Gibson's not catering to their audience. What they're doing is they're using an artist to grow their audience. They're using an artist to grow it into another area. That's what a signature model is for. It's not for and, and I wish people would kind of get this straight. Like a, a, a guitar company's not catering to their market. They're always constantly trying to grow market share. And so what they do is they've come out with a product that they hope will capture another market while still solidifying their current market that they have. So a Les Paul guy, if a guy's got two Les Pauls and an SG already, he might get one of these things if he's a fan of Rick Beato. And it's the only way to get a double cut one right now that's not custom shop. So there is that too. That's why they really sold out. So on top of that, then you have somebody like who doesn't even know Gibson, who doesn't want a Les Paul, 
but watches Rick Beato's videos, who is now a fan who has turned on to this guitar and their, their audience has grown. I just think it's really, really, uh, really, really cool. Um, and Rob, if what you say is true that he didn't want to do it and Gibson talked him into it, then that absolutely solidifies the point that I just made, that Gibson is doing that because they want to grow audience. Um, I have, and I'm not going to say who it is, but I have two companies that work with me who work with my work with me on stuff videos and whatever who send me products to review um even if i have to send them back like but they give me products to review because they know that i am passionate enough about to like bang from the rooftops that this stuff is good and that my audience will appreciate specifically these particular products that's why they do it. They give it to me for that. It's not because um, really of any other reason. They're trying to reach more audience. That's all it is. It's pretty interesting. Um, it's an interesting thing. I, I, I think I wish, I wish guitar players, there's a delta between the understanding of the guitar business and the end user. And I wish that would narrow because it would make the guitar community a much happier place if everybody understood how it worked. Uh, and it's, it's not to say that one person knows more than the other. It's that sometimes people aren't willing to accept <laughs> that this is how the world works. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, so, you know, it's, it's not a dig on any one person. It's just that that's... we. We think what we see what we see from the room that we're in, right? And we don't see the bigger picture. And honestly, it's only in the last couple of years because of some things I'm doing with some bigger guitar brands that I'm like, oh, I'm really starting to see how this works now. And actually, because of some of the other businesses that I've been involved in. Um, yeah, pretty interesting stuff. Um, a couple of comments that came in this week I wanted to address are kind of interesting. Um, we did a Line 6 versus Boss Katana video a few months ago somebody said why would you mismatch a katana 50 with a line 6 100 obviously the katana is at a disadvantage when the katana is also available at 100 watts for better and more fair comparison um here's the reason because i did not want to to be honest with you i have to buy this stuff with my own money i did not want to spend the money on a 100 watt katana that being said it was still a fair comparison because the boss katana 50 and the boss katana 100 are the same amplifier except for the overall output of wattage as well as the um effects loop and i didn't care about an effects loop whether it has an effects loop or it doesn't on an amp of that, in that category, I guess, like a tube effects loop in a boutique amp, there can be like tonal differences between them, how they're made. Um, but on a $250 amp, it's more like, come on, man, we're an effects loop or not. So I didn't text, I didn't test that. I don't care about that. And as far as tonally, we did it with a DI anyway. We did everything with the DI. We didn't do anything speaker in the room because of how I I'm living here and I can't be loud. So it was uh, a fair comparison in that particular case uh, because of the way the amps are made and what we were actually looking at in that comparison. Great question though, and thanks for bringing it up because a bunch of people actually asked me about that and were really uh, like, hey, how come you did it that way? So thank you for asking it. Because uh, it is important. Um, somebody want to know which Bigsby should I put on an SG standard? I would put a B5 on that one. You could put a B50, which is the import version, but I would not, if I was you, I would spring for the extra dough and get a B5. The reason is um, the B50 has, a, first of all, they are cast differently. 
the real the B5s are sand cast, like proper sand cast, made in the United States. The um, also the sleeves on the rods are plastic on the B50 and on the B5, which is the non-import. For anybody that wants to know, if you have a B5, a B7, a B12, whatever Bigsby it is, if there's no zero on the end of it, it's an American one. When they put the 50 on there or the 70 or whatever, that is, they put the zero on the end of it, that is an import one. And it has a plastic sleeves on the inside uh, so the bearings are different. And they're, you could, they will work okay, but if you can afford to get an American one, get an American one because there is a pretty, uh, pretty good difference. Um, any experience or thoughts on Vega trims? You know, I've only looked at them at NAM. I played them at NAM and they seem really good. I could probably reach out to that guy and get one. Um, he probably would send me one. I, but I, the reason we don't do a lot of that stuff, I guess I should, I guess I should anyways, because it's not just about me. I don't care if the guitar is set up, the trim's going to work good unless it's faulty or it has looseness in it or something. But even a good, like the Squire, um, 40th anniversary strat over here, it's good. The trim is good. It works. As long as the nut is cut right and the guitar is set up properly, the trim is going to be good and the guitar is going to stay in tune. Um, so I am not picky about that stuff as long as the stuff is quality and it's not going to fall apart and it's not going to rattle and it's going to be stable, right? That being said, not everyone is. And if you want to upgrade stuff, I guess you need to know. So thanks for bringing that up because maybe I will... Maybe I will reach out to them and maybe we can do a video about it because that's a, that might be a good, that might be a good thing. The Duesenberg thing's cool. I'm not a fan of it really. Um, oh, one thing I want to mention too. I forgot to do this. I was going to do this at the beginning. We do not have sponsorships for these videos. However, what I will do once in a while is I will let you know when there is a sale coming on that will could help the channel if you use the links. So that's the way we're going to do this instead of having sponsorships all the time. So I'm going to tell you about something cool really quick. And if you want to buy one, get in the get in the description below and use the link. I just got an email from Positive Grid. And Positive Grid is having a sale where uh, you can get a Spark with a free bag for $279, which is still a pretty good deal. Um, you can get a Spark Control. If you already have one of these amps, you can get a Spark Control, which is the foot pedal thing. It's wireless for $99 with the code CONTROL10. So what you have to do is use the link in the description, use CONTROL10 in the discount code, and you'll get $10 off of that. Uh, you can get a Spark 40, the big one, with a spark with a spark control 40 bucks off of that with control 40 so use the link in the description I get control 40 use control 40 in the discount code you can also get uh, where's that here a spark mini which is the little one with a spark control you can get 40 off of that combo with control 40 the sale goes on until the end of the month. So I just want to tell you about that. And instead of having a bunch of dumb sponsors and all that kind of stuff, I figure that is a cool way to do it. And um, if you use those links, it helps out the channel a little bit. Um, and I would appreciate that. That'd be awesome. The, one of the biggest ways it helps it out is when you click on those links, Positive Grid can see that I, that I sent somebody there. Um, they have not sent me any free stuff. I've bought all this stuff from them, but if a bunch of people click on those links and use them, then maybe they will. So that'd be awesome. So thank you for doing that in advance. Even if you don't buy anything, just go click around, check it out. Okay. Awesome.
Um, that's how we're handling sponsorships around here. Uh, let's see. David wants to know, David says, and this is an interesting one, to complain about Squire quality control is silly because on a sub, uh, because on a sub $1,000 guitar, it will be great for what it is. It's not a Gibson Custom Shop 59 Les Paul reissue. I disagree. I think every guitar at every price point should be good. It should at least be good. The features that it has on the spec sheet should be included and the guitar should be playable. Will the quality of the fret ends always be amazing? Will the quality of the fretwork always be amazing? Um, probably not. Will the nickel be cheap on the frets and become tarnished very easily? Probably. Uh, will the feel of the pots on a $250 guitar, for example, always be awesome? No. However, the guitar should work. And everything that comes with it and should come with it should be work, work and functional. And I think, to take this further, I think that every fret should work. Like if, if there is a buzzy fret that's a piece of junk that makes it to where the guitar is not really playable, then it's not a good guitar. Even if it's a $200 guitar, I don't care. It should be good enough to play. When you pay more for a guitar, you're not paying for, well, you're paying for a bunch of stuff. You're paying for, obviously, the amount of attention to detail, really, when you get into really expensive stuff. But anything from $250 to $600, let's say, should just be a good guitar that really works, that everything works. And if it's not, send it back. You know, I was in a Guitar Center the other day. I was getting tires on my van, and um, Guitar Center's right across the street. So I went over there. And I picked up one of those little baby Gibsons, one of the new, they're like a little, it looks like a little miniature SG. And I was like, I bet this thing is crap because it's 250 bucks or whatever it is, 279 bucks. And, you know, everybody wants to say Gibson, terrible, whatever. The thing was perfect in a guitar center even. It was perfect. And I was, and that's what really made me think about this. Like, yes, this is how this should be. Was everything on it? 100% like a regular SG? No. The frets were definitely of lesser quality. The binding was cheaper. The tuners were cheaper quality. You know, everything was less expensive for sure to meet the price point. The parts of the, the cost of the parts was cheaper, but the quality of it was good. The guitar was playable. It worked. Everything on it, it was awesome. It was a neat little guitar, and I was like, every guitar, like literally little, every guitar should be that. Everything that you buy should be that. And so that's what leads me to the thumbnail today. Is there any truly bad gear out there anymore? And I'm going to give you a couple of perspectives on this, and we already touched on one of them. I don't think there should be bad gear out there. I think that if a guitar is bad, or if a piece of gear is bad, you should return it. I don't think you should keep it. I think you should return it. And hold the, I'm going to bang on this until I'm going to die on this mountain. You should hold your reseller accountable. What do you think of as bad gear? I want you to get in the comments and think about what do you think of as this piece of gear sucks. And we're going to talk about why I think you're wrong. Even before you, <laughs> good spirit. This is we're, we're, this is literally in the spirit of conversation. I'm not really going to tell you you're wrong, but I am, but I'm not. So just get in the comments, and if there's anything that you think is bad gear in 20, and I don't mean I had a guitar 10 years ago that sucked. I mean something that you can go on Sweetwater, or you can go on Musician's Friend, or you can go to Guitar Center right now and buy today in 2022 gear that sucks. Get in the comments and tell me what gear sucks and get and and we're going to talk about your answers and we're going to discuss it because I think it's really, really important. I think it's really important. Um, 
John B says he paid almost $700 for a classic vibe. First of all, I don't know where he bought it because they're not that expensive. That's bad. Um, oh, unless you're in Canada or something. Electronics were terrible, cracking and cutting out. Tuners were loose and didn't work properly. Return that guitar. Do not play that guitar. Return that guitar and tell the person you bought it from they shouldn't have sold it to you. Return it. That's really, really important. What do you think of the Fender Noiseless N4 pickups? I have them in my mod shop, but it seems lacking. Seems like what you think of them is more important than what I think of them. Because it's your guitar, but I 100% agree with you. I don't like them either. We have, you have no idea how many people call us and replace their Noiseless N4s with our Classic 5 set. Drops right in, they sound fantastic, and it will be like you, it's like, you had a carpet wrapped around your amp and you just took it off and now the guitar sounds amazing. Like that much better. Mine aren't noiseless. Caveat there. But yes, I, I feel you on that for sure. Um, let's see. Bad gear is just gear that doesn't work properly. Okay, I get that. Yeah, so and I think that's, I think um, somebody said they don't feel like they've had a truly bad guitar for a long time. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I'm trying to catch up with you guys. I don't care how much you pay, there's always a chance of getting a lemon. The less of a chance, the more you pay, but still a chance. Exactly. Yeah, we had this. I think we had, I put this in a video, in our Monday video about quality control. I had a pick guard go out of here um, probably three weeks ago, and the guy got it and had a bad pot. And that, that, like, I think that's happened to me twice in like 10 years. So for me, it's like, oh, no problem. We'll get you sorted out. Like, it's no big deal to me because. I have a desk full of pickups, but for him, it's like the end of the world because it stopped his playing. You know what I mean? And, it, and he was bummed out because he bought a thing and it was supposed to be good and it, and it wasn't. Um, of course, we're making it right for him, but that sort of thing, yeah, it it can happen. Even, I mean, we're making our stuff by hand and everything is amazing. Once in a while, have a problem, you know? Um... Let's see. Okay, so you were in Canada, John B, and it was under warranty, and they sorted you out. See, that's good. That's good. And see, I'm more concerned about the end result. Um, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. If you buy a vacuum cleaner and it breaks, you don't get on the internet and get all pissed about it. Well, maybe you do. But most people don't. They usually just go back to Costco and get a new one. So... You told me a story about a bad guitar, but what you didn't tell me was that you returned it and the customer service sent you another one and everything was fine, right? So why aren't we concentrating on that part? You know what I mean? That's that's kind of what I'm getting at. I'm looking at what you put in that silver strat as a reply. Dude, that's what you should do. Single, single hum, hot fives in the middle in the neck, and that... Um, Super 8 in the bridge. Oh my gosh, that is the bomb of a setup. It's the bomb of a setup. Yeah, it seems like uh, what everybody's saying is they're just, they want it to work. They just want guitars to work. Um, yeah, so that's, that's exactly, I guess, I'm glad that everybody thinks that. I think, you know, a lot of times a lot of people will bang on about, you know, line six spider or whatever because there's a, there's always this thing you know um that because a piece of gear exists that you wouldn't buy that it's a bad piece of gear you know like this that guitar sucks well it doesn't suck it's actually really awesome but just not for you you know what i mean um and it's weird because we don't do that with other stuff you know we don't we don't do that with well i guess we do it with like 
Android versus Apple and Mac versus P PCs suck. No, they don't actually. My wife has like a really, really good one that she uses from work for work and it's amazing. And I hate it. I don't want one, <laughs> but it doesn't suck. And so we do, we tend to do the same thing with guitar stuff. Oh, it's kind of funny. Let's see. Somebody pointed out to me um, about the Duke of Tone by MXR. That is the core. That is the uh, collaboration with Analog Man. Wouldn't that be the pedal? Pedal be a version of the Prince of Tone. That's the single-sided version of the King of Tone. Okay, so yes and no because the Prince of Tone is one side of the King of Tone, but the MXR Duke of Tone has some switches on it that can you can use it as either side of the King of Tone, but not at the same time. So it's kind of somewhere in the middle. So thank you for bringing that out because I probably didn't flush that out enough in the uh, news when I did the news. So thanks for asking that question and calling me out on it because I, I probably should have been more specific about that. Um, somebody said, I'm looking forward to the test and the review of those ridiculously expensive pickups. I don't think I'm going to. I was going to buy those $1,000, $949 silver pickups by Seymour Duncan, the Zephyrs. I called my Sweetwater rep because I can get them from there. He said it takes four months to get them. I was going to buy the cheapest Squire with two humbuckers in it, and I was going to put the most expensive pickups in the cheapest guitar. That was going to be the video. Um, the problem is, and Leslie mentioned it, um, she's like, what are you going to do with them when, they're, when you're done? Because usually with expensive gear, like, you know, we'll buy these guitars and we'll sell them to you. When we're done, we mod them all up and make them cool, and then we sell them to you for whatever I paid for them. So you get a bunch of free cool stuff in it. That's usually how I do it. And um, she's like, what are you going to do with them when you're done? Because they're not going to be that much better than your stuff. And nobody's going to want them. <laughs> so you're going to be stuck with $950 pickups for no reason. And I'm like, mm. and I'm not coming out with my own set of silver pickups. So I'm like, yeah, that's probably true. I would do the gamble for 400 bucks, but maybe not for 900 bucks. So anyway, um, that's probably out the door. And one of our viewers, I think he's here. Chris Hendricks is in the comments. I'm pretty sure he uh, is a repair guy in. Um, where is he? Kansas City, Kansas City area. And he was telling me that one of his customers had those Zephyr pickups and he took them out and put my DAFs in instead and didn't like the Zephyrs, which made me feel good, but also tells me, okay, it's probably not a huge deal and it's probably not worth spending $950 for. <laughs> so. What's your take on the Babbitt's guitar bridge? Okay, so I don't like the cam one. I've put them on a bunch of tellies. People, when we were doing a bunch of custom stuff back in the day and we were actually working on people's guitars, um, we used to do this thing where people would send us their guitar and we would do all the upgrades and then send it back. I don't do that anymore because it's too much headache. Um, but people always wanted them Babbitt's Bridges and I swear to you, the reason they wanted them is because it was the most expensive box you could click on whatever website. I don't like them. And they are, first of all, they're dumb to set up. Second of all, they're not that good because they have these little aluminum blocks in them that are really easy to strip out in, if you don't do it right. And um, it's solving a problem that doesn't exist. I mean, a telly's a telly. It sounds great. There's no reason to do what that bridge does. Um, now, on the bases, I know that they're changed the architecture of how the string comes over the break angle thing on a bass so i don't really know because i'm not a bass player but i don't know i've messed with a bunch of them on tellies and i, I always thought they were kind of dumb especially for what amount of money they cost um yeah yeah <laughs> 
I hate how Babbitts makes their logo or name bigger than the hardware itself. That is really funny. <laughs> that is really, really funny. Um, that's really funny. Yeah, I think they're okay, I guess. Uh, let me see. I got one more here or a couple more. Um, did you ever consider using the idea or consider the, the idea of using two standard strat bridge pickups together rewired to a humbucker and splittable mounted on a common back plate so you could put it in a in a strat um i mean this the idea sounds cool but it won't fit in the guitar <laughs> unless you route because if if you wanted to offset it cuz he's asked about offsetting it so you could put two strat pickups next to each other but the problem is they don't fit uh, they're not, there's not enough room there lengthwise unless you actually route the guitar out and make a custom pick guard. It's not a scalable product. Nobody's going to want it. I mean, there might be a couple guys here and there or gals that want them, but I don't, I don't think it, I don't, I don't see it as a, as a viable product that actually makes sense to sell. Um, it would be so ultra niche that you would do one or two custom ones and then it would be too much of a pain and you wouldn't want to do it anymore. Um, that's my take on it. Uh, some of you have been talking about this. This is kind of funny. Um, some of you have been talking about this. So 20 years ago, everything mattered and everything impacted tone. If it wasn't hand-built, Analog, true bypass, and appropriate tone woods, it was junk. Now nothing matters and almost everything is good. I stopped being particular when I had kids and had to start spending my money on their toys instead of mine. Dude, I think most of you would agree with what that guy said. Everything is so good now that we're literally splitting hairs over stuff that is just... What I think is really interesting is that everybody's like, Spends a lot of time on like this capacitor, that capacitor, this pot, that pot, this wood, that whatever. And you're like, I, I guess it doesn't really matter because the guitar sounds good anyway. Even a Squire sounds awesome, you know. Oh, the Tellys aren't that great. But the Strats, they sound great. The Squire Strats sound great. The Jazzmaster actually sounded really good. Um, really inexpensive stuff. I mean, it sounds great. So it's just, what are we even doing here? You know what I mean? Except for enjoying the hobby and upgrading stuff because we want to and because it can be made better but that doesn't mean just because it can be made better doesn't mean um that what it already is isn't good you know which is kind of interesting um somebody here say he doesn't like the babbitt's bridge um Dylan talks tone. A couple streams ago, you talked down stats bars. I had some problems with mine because the neck radius was wrong. But now with the right radius, it seems awesome. What do you? What don't you like about them? Uh, I don't know that I. I don't ever remember talking down a stats bar. I just don't. They're just not my first choice. I mean, really. I you know I I guess I'm gonna put a Bigsby on it. If 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 it is a guitar that doesn't have a trim already. I'm putting the Bigsby on it. And that is my go-to. That's where I go. Um, and I'm pretty good at setting them up so they stay in tune. Um, and I enjoy fiddling with them. I guess that's kind of it, too. I like the challenge of getting a Bigsby to, to play right. And it's not that hard to do, but learning it over the years has been fun. And so I really enjoy... A Bigsby. So it's not that I would talk down a Stets bar. I mean, they're cool. They work good. But I don't it's just not my not my bag. I don't I'm just not a fan uh like other people are. Um someday I might upgrade my C V strat pickups to something better, like maybe a set of Seymour Duncan scooped mids or something similar. 
we have a really cool set. Well, our classic fives kind of do that. They give you that kind of John Mayer scoopy kind of scoopy kind of sound. Um, so we got some Black Star news coming out tomorrow in the news, dude. Tomorrow's news is gonna be off the chain. I'm having a really hard time not ordering another guitar right now. Um, I've got like two guitars on back order. I've got an amp on back order. I've got I've got a bunch of stuff on order right now, and I really shouldn't order another guitar. But man, I saw something today that just came out, and I'm like, oh, I've always wanted one of these. They they used to make them and they're making them again. And good grief, man! I really really want one. I'll tell you about it tomorrow. I'm not going to spoil it right now. Cool. What other questions do we got cruising in here? Oh, maybe I have one more from the YouTubes. One second. Um, oh. <laughs> so, I want to get your thoughts on this too. Um, I This is just the, another viewpoint. Just get in the comments. We did a, a coded strings versus not coded strings thing probably like a year and a half ago. Or maybe maybe later than that, was when um, Stringjoy came out with their coded strings, and I really like them. He says, what's your point? More people like coded elixirs than don't like them. Um, everyone has their preference. You kind of have a peculiar opinion about them. Um, and so he's telling me that more people like coded elixirs than don't. I disagreed. Uh, I didn't disagree with him directly. Do you like coded strings or not? No, uncoded or coded? Just let me know. Uh, we did a we did a poll on our YouTube community page, and a thousand votes on this thing, and coded got thirty six percent of the vote, and uncoded got sixty four percent of the vote. So most people like uncoded strings. But let me know what you think. Um, I think that's pretty interesting. Very interesting, in fact. If it's fun to play, it's good. I like your, I like your how you roll, Willie. I like that a lot. Um, coded strings are interesting too because this whole coded versus uncoded thing. I there's no wrong answer to it. Because, like somebody just mentioned, they play for a couple of days and it just doesn't. They just they just kill their strings super fast. I don't. I can play. I probably kill strings faster because I don't play all my guitars enough. So, like, we'll go a few day, you know, a few weeks where we're really busy with pickups, and I won't play that much. Um, and so, all these guitars sitting around and they don't get played that much, and I go back and the strings are dead because they're sitting. You know, if I played the guitar every day, I bet the strings would actually last longer than if I didn't because my hands don't actually kill strings. What my hands do kill is nitrocellulose finish on necks. It makes it tacky and sticky and weird. Um, my Silver Sky is starting to feel kind of, I can tell, you know, which is interesting. And I buy the cheapest strings I can, which at this time are three packs of Ernie Ball Slinky 10s. Because what you don't see in the videos is that sometimes a video will require me to take the strings off the guitar two or three times. Like if we're doing some sort of setup video because of how we shoot stuff, there'll be a lot of times where I'll use three sets of strings for one video. Um, you know, over the period of like a day and a half of shooting it, I'll use like three sets of strings. So it doesn't make sense to me to buy NYXLs and then cut them all off the guitar all the time. So um, that's, you know. Mm. Why does letting the strings set make them die? Good question. Uh, because there's nickel in them and humidity kills them. The humidity, I live in Georgia, so like right now the humidity is really low. It's actually 40, 
percent. I've got a dealy do right there. 40 percent, 73 degrees Fahrenheit, and 40 percent humidity in here right now because our air runs like constantly because it's summertime. But in between air conditioning cycles, the humidity will come back up. And because we live in Georgia, it's really, really sticky here in the summertime and even in the winter too. So um, humidity kills strings. It just, it tarnishes. They, they don't rust per se, but they get tarnished um, and that will kill them. So, yep, because nickel, nickel oxidizes. That's exactly, that is exactly right. Yep, that's, and that's the, that's the thing. Um, I used to use, I used to love those Martin SP acoustic strings, but I'd kill them in a week at the most. I have never liked Martin strings. My dad was, when I was a kid, my dad was a massive fan of Martin string. He would use Ernie Balls on his electric stuff and Martin, I forget what they were called. Martin. But I don't like them because Martin strings have this weird machining sort of feel to them. I can feel the like twist of the metal or whatever. I don't know. I, I can feel it. It just drives me nuts. I should say that we are going to Colorado next week for our guitar workshop, which is pretty cool. I'm super excited about that. I only like coated flat wounds. Well, you're extra weird and cool because that's really cool. <laughs> I didn't even know they made coated flat wounds. Martin Marquis. Thank you, Mark. That's exactly what they were. Martin Marquis strings. And I could not stand them. Yeah, could not stand them. But they were, they're, I mean, they were popular, super popular. Um, Pink Pack, Ernie Ball, Slinkies, and Martin Medium Acoustic Strings. Yeah, exactly. I actually use, hey, Jim, Jim, Jimmy. I'm going to see you next week, dude. Um, I was going to text you uh, probably later this week so I could run into you next week because we will be out there. Um, I'm using now, oh, let's see what we have. I have... I take that back. I think I have NYXLs on my Gibson and then Ernie Ball 10s. I use 10s on everything, 10s on everything, except the Floyd Rose guitar, the Kramer up there, the purple one right there has nines on it, but all other guitars have 10s on it. And then my all my acoustics have 13s. Well, I take that back. My McPherson has 13s on it. And I think those are the D'Addario super duper whatever coded ones, X whatever they are, XT, XL, whatever. Those ones um, are on my McPherson. And then on my Breedlove, I have String Joy coded strings on that one. And then on my close carbon fiber travel guitar, I think I have D'Addario's. But they are 12s. I put 12s on that guitar because the scale is so short. Yep. Ernie Ball 8s. Can you say arthritis? I have a set of 8s sitting in my bin over there. I really want to do a video about 7s, 8s, 9s, and 10s. I think it would be really fun to do a back-to-back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back video with the same guitar. And go seven, eight, nine, ten. Um, and just play clean and see if people can tell the difference. I think it'd be kind of fun. Um, I say everyone, every guitar player ever, should get a guitar, have one guitar. This is this is so weird to say. If you have more than one guitar, don't do this with your favorite one. Do it with your kind of favorite like something that you like to play but it's not your number one put eights on it for a month and play it 
And what you will find is that you will become more accurate. I learned just how ham-fisted I am when I play with eights. Because people will say that the tone isn't as good because the strings are small, whatever. That is the stupidest thing ever. Go tell that to Billy Gibbons. Tell it to anybody who's ever played with eights. It's, that's fine. It has nothing to do with that. What it has to do with is your interaction with the instrument. You will find that you'll realize, um, first of all, how much you like hook the strings when you play, like that I was hooking them a lot. Like with my right hand, I was realizing that I was like really just like slamming the guitar. So you gotta be super more accurate. But I also was really realizing how much more accurate I could be with my left hand. And it, pra it makes you practice being more accurate with your left hand because you'll find it's not the tone sucks, it's that you suck, that you pull the guitar out of tune more, that you don't strike the string as cleanly as you thought you did because it exaggerates everything. So you'll strike the string uh, more accurately with this hand and you won't like be pulling on it so much. This hand, you'll find that your your fingers are like you're pushing on the strings too hard, that you're bending too hard. You were always doing that stuff, but having heavier strings on the guitar masked that you were doing it. And so the eights tell you where your weaknesses are in how your hands interact with the guitar. I would recommend that everybody do that for one month. Don't take your, like take, you know, I don't know. What, what guitar would I do it with? Uh, I put them on the Schecter, the, because I love that guitar. The, um, what is that thing? Machine Gun Kelly, the Machine Gun Kelly signature guitar. You know what? I'm going to do that. I'm going to put eights on that guitar for a month and I'm going to play it and I'm going to put videos of it on Instagram. So follow me on Instagram, Dylan Talks Tone. You guys just inspired me. That's what I'm going to do. Um, Yeah. It, it's all about technique. You're right, exactly. And it just makes you a more accurate player. And I think people chalk up the thinner string to weaker tone or weaker hands or whatever. It's not that. It's accuracy. Because if you watch these guys, I have a friend. Um, I should get him over here for some videos. He lives close to, close to me. And he's an unbelievable guitar player. I should have him come over here and play some demos and blow your mind. But he, he plays eights on purpose, but his touch is so light. Like, and he's so fast. Um, and he plays like a lot of fusion stuff. And that's what he said. It was a, it was an accuracy thing. It was a being able to play more accurately. And then you could play anything. Um, conversely, I play with 13s on my acoustics so that hand strength and endurance is never a problem. Plus, I like how they sound and I like how they feel. I don't like 12s on an acoustic. But I think everybody should try Really neat, really neat stuff. Yep. Um, let's see. <laughs> it's not the guitar that sucks, you suck. Oh man. I should probably make that t-shirt. I should probably make that with a big, like a big finger point like this. That'd be funny. Um, extra light nines tuned down a half a step. Wow. What does your crystal ball say is the go-to amp family for the BB King sound when the lab series have all died and can't be repaired? Uh, what do you guys think? I would say a Roland JC120. And to put a finer point on it, I would say a Line 6 HX Stomp or Helix. Because their role in JC120 is actually really good.
So I would say some kind of modeler. Because you don't, with that tone, with that sound, it's a very, um, it starts with a very basic clean sound. So I would say it doesn't really matter probably, but a JC120 probably for a start as a profile, I think that's where I would go. Um, or a Fender Twin, but Fender Twins are mid-scoopy though. Um, so I would say, I would say a JC120. And somebody said the Line 6 Helix. And I agree because they do a good JC120. And I would start with that profile and I would build from there. And that's, I honestly think that you could get there with that. Because what people think they need out of a tube amp is, I can see why they say they need it. But the amount of times I think that's actually true in real life is less than the people that say they need it. <laughs> um, and I think that a lot more could be done with a modeler than you realize. So I, I personally think I, I personally think a JC120 profile would be would be bomb. Yeah. I mean, most of this stuff is gonna go this direction anyway. Um, we're gonna end up we're going to end up playing. Uh, I just ordered a new amp that I have not even. Oh, maybe I posted it on Facebook. And it's going to be in the news tomorrow, so I'll spoiler alert it. But I have said over and over. Well, I kind of know, I guess. I think Fender's pretty much going to replace to the consumer, on the consumer side, all of their tube amps with Tone Masters. That's basically what's going to happen. So the, the Princeton Tone Master just dropped this week. I ordered one. I think I'll have it next week or the week after. Um, and then I think what well, I think what's going to happen. My this is my projection crystal ball, if you will. That they will have like custom shop versions of two amps, but everybody else for normal money is going to get a Tone Master, and it makes one hundred percent sense to me because a twin is almost two grand now. So. For the average player, getting a twin reverb tone master makes way more sense than getting an actual twin reverb. And they sound great. Um, it's going to be just like anything else. You know, there was a time, we go back to something else besides this, okay? There was a time when there was not a quartz watch. When the Seiko movement that is in 90% of all good watches now didn't exist. And every watch was an automatic. Like every watch, you either wound it or it was an automatic. Now, a Swiss-made automatic is like a boutique thing that is expensive. And you have to pay, you know, $1,000 or $1,500 for, for that. It has been replaced by... We'll call it this. We'll call that the tube amp, and then we'll call the solid state version the Seiko Quartz movement. That's like what's in this We Wood right here, and this watch is you know, hundred bucks. So it's the same thing. The Quartz movement is like the standard now, and the boutique thing is the Swiss movement or. The, or some sort of automatic. Um, and then there's then there's like the weird out there technology in watches, which would be like a Citizen Echo Drive that runs on light. That's a really cool watch, but they're expensive. You know, like a cheap one's like 500 bucks. They're really cool. And they're kind of in their own little department. I would call that almost like modeling amps and stuff. But for the long term, everybody has mostly quartz movements for all of us normal people. And then you step into boutique money for the automatic stuff. And that was not because anybody cheaped out. That was because technology moved forward. And then what used to be the mainstream thing became the boutique thing. That is what's going to happen with guitar amps. Reasonably speaking, not being super idealistic about tradition realistically speaking what's going to happen because of energy consumption 
um, sustainability, all the things that go along with anything made modern in this world, the Tone Master is going to, to me, in my opinion, the Tone Master and the Catalyst 100 and the Catalyst 200, those amps are going to be the standard for normal people to gig with. And then if you want to step up to some kind of boutique thing, it's going to be a tube amp. That's just, it's going to be the realistic way of the world because of how, how progress goes. And I think it's going to, they're going to be awesome. And they're going to keep getting better. Um, but boy, those Tone Masters are good. They are so good. Um, $500 for a watch when I have a cell phone. That's really funny. Yeah, so watches are, uh, the Casio of watches are like the Casio of gear. I don't know. Have you tried to buy a G-Shock lately? <laughs> I have a G-Shock from a few years ago, and I tried to buy the new version of it, and I was like, whew, I don't know that I want to spend that money. Um, wait, wait, wait. Hang on. Wayne Hussey, I want to know about this. Because this is a real thing that people are not looking at and not being honest with themselves about. I want to know about this. He says he hasn't, he lives in, I believe, in Denmark or somewhere. Anyway, Europe. I've not switched on my amps for two months because of electricity cost. I miss them, but it's just too expensive to run them at the moment. I have said for years, and people do not will not pay attention to this. The amount of watts of electricity that it takes to run a tube amp is bonkers in comparison to the output wattage. And in Europe especially, they are cracking down on appliances where the percentage of wattage going in is not enough coming out. So vacuum cleaners, blenders, toasters, guitar amps uh, are all going to be more heavily regulated because they are literally wasting energy um, <clears throat> because it has so many watts, watts of power going in and not enough going out. When we get into a Tone Master or a Catalyst or a Kemper, that becomes a non-issue because the power consumption is just not there. So he's saying that he's having to make, in fact, that same gentleman who commented that about his amp was saying he, he's the one that was vacuuming in the middle of the night on our live stream the other night because he's having to manage his power consumption where he lives because of the cost of power. That's a very real thing. And I don't think people are putting enough thought or stock in what people are trying to say about that stuff. That is really interesting to me, man. Really interesting. So when you say before the war, you must mean before the Russia-Ukraine war? I'm assuming that, that that's what that means. The watch market exploded over 2020. Dude, you are not joking, man. I'm, I was lucky to get some pieces that I really am happy with. Um, and I was actually shopping for one the other day and I can't, I can't even get it. I mean, I just can't even get my hand on stuff. Um, yeah. And so, and, and here's, here's something I want you to think about you Americans. Uh, I believe there's 500 and something million people in the EU. There's only 300 million people in the United States, 300 and whatever. There's more people in the EU than there is in the United States, okay? Um, and I don't want to get into politics here, but I just want to talk about numbers. Because most cool guitars, a lot of a lot of cool guitars are made in the United States, people think that the center of the universe when it comes to guitars and where they're made and the guitar gear and amps and all that kind of stuff centers around the United States. But it absolutely does not. It does not. The majority of the guitar market is not in the United States. The EU is huge. Japan is bonkers huge. 
China's even bigger as a consumer, not a manufacturer. I'm talking about people that buy guitars. Australia is huge. So you have all these huge guitar markets that are saying, hey, guys, electricity is really expensive. And now we have customers that can't play their amps because they can't afford to pay for the electricity and to buy the amp. We got to do something else. Let's take a twin that costs $2,000, make it cost half that, and then use a third or a quarter of the electricity. The, the gentleman here in, in Denmark, he likes that. He likes that a lot. And because those markets are so big, it's going to continue to go that direction. People do not want to hear that, but that is the reality of it. I'm going to do a video on it coming up because it's very interesting. It's very interesting. I have to go too. It is 5.06. I've been trying to do these for about an hour. I got a place to be and I'm almost out of coffee. I got to run through the shower. You guys, this has been super fun. Thanks for hanging out. We have uh, about 100 people here hanging out with us. So thanks for everybody. Hit the like button if you would. Hit the subscribe button. And if you want to buy some positive grid stuff on that sale by the end of the month, there are links in there below. Is it control 10 and control 40 are the discount codes. Do that stuff if you want. Thanks for hanging out and we will see you very soon.